in a series in the book of Colossians. So if you've You've got your Bible with you. Uh, you can turn to the book of Colossians. The text is also printed for you in the bulletin. I was, um, I guess we were at, we were at Susan's parents' house a few, a few years back around New Year's. Uh, and I was just hanging out there in the living room and, is this a, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to drive me crazy if you don't drive y'all crazy. Is that better? We'll keep talking. Okay. Um, you ever seen a brother where art thou? Where the guy comes in, he says, speaking to the can, talking to the can, or the record. That's what I felt like I was doing. Um, anyway, we were at Susan's family a few years ago around New Year's, and I was just hanging out in the living room trying to read my John Grisham book, whatever. Pulp Fiction I had, just trying to tune everybody out. And and there are tons of kids running around, because we had, she's got a big family, so all those kids were there, the neighbor's kids were there, the neighbor's neighbor's kids were there, uh, just, there's just chaos, but I'm pretty happily just reading away on the couch, when suddenly this kid comes in, who's very loud and very annoying, and he's, he's succeeding at distracting me. And he won't go away. And I don't know who he is. I have no idea. Nobody in the house knows who this kid is. He's just there uh, being obnoxious all of a sudden. Uh, and, he, and he won't leave. Well, finally, this lady comes in who is his mom. I don't know who she is either, but it's evident that she's this kid's mother. And she says to him, uh, it's time to go home. And then this exchange happens between the two of them. They go something like this. Time to go home. Not yet, Mom. Yes, no, yes, no. Ten minutes, Mom. Five. Ten. Five. Ten. Five. Fifteen. You know, and, and finally, the mom says, okay, ten. And the kid says, you know what's coming. The kid says, fifteen. Um, now, uh, at this moment... I'm, I'm very frustrated with this whole family that I don't know who they are. Um, because on the one hand, I just want to read my book. Uh, on the other hand, I'm like, surely, lady, come on. Come on, take, be, be, be a mom here. Uh, and on the other hand, I'm thinking, I'm going to use this in a sermon sometime. Um, so this is, this is going to work out well for me. And so the mom finally, she toes the line at, at 10 minutes and she leaves. All right, I can read my book. Uh, the kid, one minute after she leaves, says, has it been 10 minutes yet? I was like, no, it hasn't been 10 minutes yet, unfortunately. Four minutes later, has it been 10 minutes yet? Uh, 10 minutes yet? Um, yeah, yeah. It, it's, been, it's, it's about time for you to go. And so uh, he heads off down the road. Now, um, if I, had, I still don't know who they are. I don't, we never figured out who they were. They were just people who had an argument in our house. Um, if I had known them better... Uh, it might have been a good time to talk to them about uh, Colossians 3 uh, and parent-child relationships. So that's what we're, what we're looking at today, um, the relationships between parents and children. So Colossians 3, beginning in verse 20. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bondservants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart fearing the Lord. 
Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Let me pray for us. Father, we do pray now that you would help us uh, as we give our attention to your word. Uh, It is warm and and it is going to be distracting, so I pray that you would just give us uh, that focus for a few minutes uh, to think about your word uh, and even to be changed by it. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as you read this, what jumps out immediately is, is what children obey your parents in all things. And that's coming directly from the fifth commandment, honor your father and your mother. Uh, and, and we read that and immediately all of us with children want to go, look, 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 pay attention to that. Uh, kind of plastered on their eyeballs. But we're actually going to talk about that next week. We're going to talk about the duties of children as it relates to their parents next week. What we're going to talk about this week uh, is how this commandment works for parents. In other words, if children are to obey their parents, what does that mean for the parents? All right, what, what, what's the parents' role in the children's lives? If children are to obey their parents, what responsibilities then do parents have in relationship to their children? And we're going to do, we're going to do four. All right. Number one, uh, parents are to love their children. I know that's pretty controversial, uh, but go with me on this. Uh, parents are to love their children. Uh, Titus chapter 2, Paul tells Titus, tell the older women to tell the younger women to love their children. And I don't think we need a whole lot of reminding of that, or at least you would think that we wouldn't. But if you think about in our society the fact that uh, over a million infants are aborted uh, each year, perhaps it's something we do need to think about. Are our parents really prone to loving their children? Uh, when you think about it, how many children out there are there who don't know the love of their parents? Uh, how many grown men or women are still trying to earn or get a sense of their father's approval, their father's smile. Uh, How many uh, children were were raised by a loving mother and emotionally distant dad, or maybe the other way around? Uh, I I think this conversation from the movie Fight Club is is somewhat telling. Uh, In this movie, one of the characters says this, Jack says, if you could fight anyone, who would you fight? Tyler says, I'd fight my father. Jack says, I never really knew my father. Tyler, me neither. Jack, my father divorced my mother when I was about six, moved to another town, married another woman, and started having kids with her. Tyler, dude setting up franchises. <laughs> now, um, you know, there, there's not a lot of love lost there uh, for a father who had essentially abandoned their child. And we see the effects of that abandonment all around us. Now maybe we do need to be reminded uh, that love is not just an emotion, but that love is actually, as we said last week, love is an action. Uh, it's something you do even when you don't feel like doing it. And so, uh, parents, I think we always have to ask ourselves, not just do I feel loving to my children, but I'm actually being loving 
to my children? Um, am I remembering that love is in action? Am I putting as much effort into my children as I'm putting into my job? Am I putting as much effort into my children as I'm putting into my hobbies? Uh, a friend of mine was helpful to me along these lines. He was saying, you know what? You're not off the clock when you get home. Uh, you think, okay, I'm done for the day. You just own the clock again. So now you're on the clock with your children. Uh, and, and you're working to serve them. Um, there's a family there that needs to be loved on. There's a family there that needs to be served. Are you going to do that? Are you going to be there? Physically there? And are you going to be emotionally there and love your children? Um, are you there? You know, are you modeling God's love for you? Are you turning around and modeling that for your children? Uh, to, to steal a line from the same movie, if our fathers bailed, what does that tell you about God? You know, that's how he was thinking about God because of his relationship with his father. And so we've really got to work at loving our children. Uh, not just telling them we love them, but showing them that we love them. Now, uh, parents, sometimes you may carry a lot of grief around because you're like, well, I didn't do that well, or I haven't done that well. I can see the ways every day I'm not doing that well. And it's important to remember uh, in all of this as we're given these instructions that the gospel is not for perfect parents. Right? The gospel is not for perfect parents. It's for parents who have failed, parents who continue to fail, in many, many ways. So let me encourage you, if you're kind of hearing this and, and maybe you're sort of convicted today, um, don't just resolve to be better, but, but find your children and say, you know what, here's the way I've failed you. Here's the way I'm failing you. And confess that to them and ask them to forgive you. And I think that can be very powerful in our children's lives. Now, the second thing here, we're to love our children, we're to also teach our children. Right? Where do we get that? Well, if children are to obey parents, then that implies what? That parents are actually telling their children to do something. Um, now, there's all kind of instruction we ought to be given to our children, whether it's how to ride a bike, how to tie a shoe, all of these things, but especially uh, we ought to be teaching our children to know God. Deuteronomy 6, and these words which I command shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Uh, we're to teach our children. We're to lead our children to God. I was reading the editorials uh, in the Spartanburg paper a while back, and somebody uh, wrote this uh, relating to a certain issue that was going on at the time, and they said, the government cannot favor religion over non-religion or prefer one religious belief over others. Now, if you think about that for a minute, and you'll see where I'm going with this in a minute, if you think about that statement, that's a very common statement for people to make today, but I'd argue that that's an impossible thing for anybody to do. That that's an impossible thing for government to do. That's impossible for you and I to do. Uh, because everybody on earth, on the face of the earth, has religious faith commitments to something. It may be a faith commitment that there is no God and I can do whatever I want to do, but that's a faith commitment. Uh, at the last presidential inauguration, uh, in an effort to say, we're not involved in religion, we're not going to favor one on, over the other, what happened was you had people from lots of different religions represented and praying, and guess what? That's communicating something about 
religion. Uh, now, where am I going with this? Sometimes you'll hear parents uh, say something along the lines of, um, I don't want to force my beliefs on my children. I don't want to force my beliefs on my children. I want them to kind of come to this on their own, to their own conclusions about God. And so I might take them to church some, but I'm not going to force them to go. I'm not going to try to actively persuade them. But look, you're always teaching your children about God. You're always teaching them something. In particular, you're always teaching them something about God. If you never talk to them about God, you're telling them something about God. But this is this being that we don't, isn't that important in our everyday life. If you never talk to them about Christ, you're saying something about Christ. If the Bible's seldom read in your home, then you're saying something about how important you feel the Scriptures are. If worship's a low priority in your life, then that's communicating something to your children. Um, you're not called to leave your children alone and let them figure all this out on your own because you're in a position of inescapable influence in your children's lives. You're always teaching them something. The only question is going to be whether that instruction is good or bad. Now, uh, the second thing I want to say about parents teaching children. Parents, you have to realize that you're in charge. That you're in charge. Uh, Yes, your child needs to know that they're loved, but they also need to know that they can't do whatever they want to do. They need to learn what it actually means to be under authority. And that's something we all need to to learn because ultimately we're all under authority. We're all actually under God's authority. Uh, And there's blessing found in submitting to God's authority. And the further we get away from God's authority, the less blessing uh, will will be available to us. And so parents, we've got to teach this lesson to our children that, hey, you're under authority and here's what it looks like to be under authority. And that's not just with you, but that's with the other authority figures in their lives. Uh, Whether that's coaches, teachers, policemen, whoever it is, we have to show them what it looks like to live under authority. It starts at home with you saying, look, you've got to submit to the authority of your parents. And and look, we all know this because we were all kids at one time ourselves. That doesn't always go over that well with them. Uh, that doesn't always make them happy and jump up and down like, all right, I get to submit to mommy. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not what we naturally want to do. Uh, sometimes they're going to act like the decision that you are making is the end of the world. And you've got to be able to stand there and say, you know what, no. Uh, you can't watch that. You're not doing that. You're not buying that. You're not leaving here dressed like that. You've got to be the authority in your child's life. Uh, You've got to do that lovingly and carefully because Paul warns us here about exasperating our children. So you've got to think about how you do that. But you do actually have to do that. And I would say sometimes our failure to do that, well, I'm going to upset them. That's not loving them. That's actually loving ourselves more than them because we're fearful of how they're going to react. And so the loving thing to do is to teach them what it means to actually be under authority. Now, what else should we be teaching them? Let me go through this quickly before we all melt. Um, number one, the fear, and these aren't necessarily in any order, but number one, just the fear of the Lord. 
Because Proverbs says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Not, not being scared that God's out to get me, but knowing that all of life is lived in the presence of this all-powerful, almighty God who calls me to worship Him. Uh, teach them the Ten Commandments. You know, you want to teach them to love God and love their neighbor. What does that look like? Well, the Ten Commandments shows you that. Uh, and the, the Catechism is actually kind of helpful in uh, breaking those down. What does it look like to obey these Ten Commandments? Teach them the Gospel. And by that I don't mean, you know, you're trying to, to get them to pray a prayer to receive Jesus, a sinner's prayer at age two. Um, yes, God saves children at, at young ages, but it's not some magic thing that you're trying to get them to do. But you're simply teaching them the Bible, telling them about Jesus, calling them to faith in Christ, and then doing that over and over again. Uh, here's what the Word of God says. Uh, showing them the way that they sin, showing them their need for a Savior, pointing to Jesus, pointing them to Jesus, and praying for them, and then doing that again. Um, number four, teach them that worship's a priority in the life of a believer. Uh, you know, are you are you are you cracking open the Bible outside of the hour here? Uh, are, are you praying with your children? Are you showing them what it looks like? to follow God day by day or is this just kind of an add-on to the rest of your life uh, and then a couple more here one, teach them a world and life view and what I mean by that is teach them to think about everything through the lens of scripture you know, how do I make decisions how, how, how do I think about how to do different things uh, how do I teach your children what it looks like to be in the world but not of the world oh, that's a tricky one isn't it uh, because on the one hand, you can kind of run to, uh, well, uh, we're not going to watch it unless James Dobson said it was okay. I guess he gets to watch everything. I don't know. Um, I fly for that job. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, he, you know, unless he says it's okay and unless they play it on Christian radio, I'm not going to have anything to do with it. On the other hand, we can kind of go to the extreme of, yeah, whatever. Just listen to whatever you want to and, and sure, surf the Internet. I'm, I'm sure it's fine. Uh, there's nothing bad on there. Um, and so you're, you're trying to live in this tension of how do I teach them to be in the world but not of the world? How do I teach them to interact with and love unbelievers while at the same time uh, trying to protect them from some of the influences uh, that are out there? Uh, teaching them to appreciate uh, the talents even of people who aren't believers. And those, those are all hard things to do. But, and the answer isn't for you to just run away from everything out there and pull them away from everything out there, but it's also to just kind of leave them unsupervised uh, to check out the buffet of the world. And so that re requires a lot of thought uh, and parental involvement with your children. And then last, I'd just say teach them how to love people, um, both believers and unbelievers. Uh, is, is your family a family that loves other people? Are you modeling that for your children? Uh, which leads me to my next point, and I'm close to tying up here. Uh, set an example. Love your children. Teach your children. Set an example for your children. There's a country song I heard a while back, uh, something to the effect of uh, the dad hears his son cussing, and he says, where did you learn to say that word? And he says, I learned it from you, dad. And then later in the same song, he sees his kid down on his knees praying. He says, where did you learn that? He says, well, I learned it from you, 
that, uh, our example is very powerful uh, in our children's lives. Uh, I got an email just this morning from a former RUF student when we did campus ministry at Appalachian State, uh, and she made the comment as she was starting off, we're, we find that we're still doing things with our children that we learn from y'all. And that wasn't from anything we taught, but that was just from hanging out with us and being in our home. And that's one reason, y'all, we as a church ought to be really supportive of what David and Becca are doing uh, with Wofford students at RUF. Because this is a crucial time in kids' lives where they're starting to think about some of that stuff for the first time. And they really have the opportunity to model that. And as we get more students involved here, you're going to have the opportunity to model that for them as well. And what you're doing with them you got to also be doing with your own children. You know, what kind of example are we uh, setting for them? They're not going to remember all the lectures, maybe the really good ones, um, but for the most part, they're not going to remember all the lectures, but they are going to remember the example you set for them. Now, uh, last thing, uh, more than this list that I've given you, you need God's grace to be at work in your children's lives. And that means you need to pray for them. If you don't do anything else, if it's so hot that you're like, I have no idea what he said this morning, then, then remember, pray. Pray for your children. Hold them up before the Lord. Because you know what? You're going to mess things up. You're going to send them to the wrong school. You're going to put the wrong thing in their lunch. Uh, you're going to correct them too strongly. You're going to not correct them strongly enough. You're, you're just going to mess things up. Uh, there's a million things that at the end of the day you're going to have to say I need to repent of that I just need to repent of being uh, a bad parent in that area so you need to pray for them pray that God will be at work in their lives let me close by saying this Um, we're kind of we've talked about husbands and wives the last couple of weeks and children's and these sermons have tended to be a little bit of here's some things you might think about doing and honestly get nervous with these because I'm scared people are going to go, well, here's my checklist. I just got to go do this and everything's going to be okay. Uh, tell me what I need to do to make my children turn out all right. Uh, and some of you even now might be going, well, that was great, Justin. That was too broad. I want more specifics. Uh, we're always wanting to get more details, more specific. Give me more of a plan. Uh, and what I would say to that is you really don't need more details that what you and your children need at the end of the day is the gospel of Jesus Christ that you need to teach them you need to correct them you need to train them you need to love them but through all of that you need to be praying for them you need to be honest about your need for a savior and pointing them to their need for a savior as well and pointing them through all of this to Jesus Christ Reminding them of the gospel in word and in deed. Let me pray for us.